our second installment of our, our membership track for Cornerstone. Glad to see all of you guys here. You know, it's it's always good to you know see people, even those who may not be particularly going through the membership process, um, just to come into these meetings and to continue to learn. Because you know, I can attest to the fact that there are always things that I forget and things that I need to be reminded of in terms of um, what I have signed up for in terms of membership and the things that the Lord has for us in membership. So uh, these are all always good topics to revisit regularly. Um, so just want to welcome you if you are new to our Cornerstone meetings. It's just a, an extension of our Sunday time in the Word and in prayer. Um, so one of the things that we do like to do, um, given that you know we have more limited opportunities at times to meet together um, right now, we do like to use these opportunities to catch up with one another and to hear how certain people are doing. Now, obviously, we can't do that. Um, with all 30 of you here as much as we would like to do that. But, you know, each week we do we do have the privilege of hearing from a few people. Um, so I am going to select a few people here to share a prayer request, um, but also maybe share one thing that the Lord has been uh, teaching you as of late. Um, and I don't quite recall everybody who shared within the past few weeks. So if I'm uh, calling on you and you've, you've shared within the past few weeks, you get to share again. <laughs> so you get the, the blessing of being prayed for once again. So um, let's see. I see Tyler Miltenberger. How's it going, man? Um, would you mind sharing with us one thing that the Lord's been teaching you and one way that we could be praying for you? Yeah. Hi, everyone. Um, uh, one thing that the Lord's been teaching me, um, I think it's just having patience. Um, and it's just uh, just putting my trust in him and the things that happen and not necessarily, um, you know, kind of like how pastor Mark, uh, said today, kind of like reacting to things, um, and to our own, you know, desires and, you know, reacting negatively to the things that happen around us, but instead, you know, accepting what happens because, you know, God is sovereign over all these things that happen to us. And that, you know, ultimately, you know, even though I might want something, that's not necessarily what's best for me. And, you know, even though I might think I know what's good for me, it's truly God who knows what's best for me, you know? And I think, you know, I've been trying to learn more about being patient with things that might, you know, upset or frustrate me and, you know, just try to take a step back, you know, and just remember that, you know, all the things that God has given me, you know, all the things that God has let happen to me, and then just putting my trust and faith in him that, you know, through the challenges and struggles that, you know, he will come back, he'll prevail and, you know, he'll bring joy back to the world. Um, I guess for prayer requests, um, you know, I'm just trying to finish out my last semester of college um, and I have midterm season this week. Um, so I have about three midterms this week. And so I'm just trying not to put so much pressure and stress on my academics and, you know, having it take so much time out of my day um, you know, and taking time out of reading and taking time out of, you know, praying and being able to, you know, come to God's word um, and not putting academics above the Lord. Um, so just praying that I continue to stay faithful to him while being diligent in my studies. Amen. Thanks, Tyler, for sharing that. Um, let's see. We've also, I also see uh, Miranda. Miranda So, would you mind sharing what the Lord's been teaching you? and um, a prayer request. Hi, everyone. Um, I think something that God has been teaching me recently is um, to be um, more thankful. Um, that's something that I was sharing with my discipleship group this past week and to see how just really unthankfulness can um, cloud my view of others and and prevent me from seeing people and loving others the way God sees them and so um, I think that's something God has been teaching me through his word um, especially in Colossians 3 and really how he um, calls us to you know put on all these things that are from above and of Christ and um, and to be thankful in all things um, and really let the word of God richly dwell in me and really submitting my life and my thoughts and my desires to God's will and um, to be thankful. And really that's 
you know, the sweetest place to be, you know, in, in any circumstance. Um, and so um, I think one thing, a uh, prayer request is that um, to continue to be thankful, especially um, towards my family and to be, to be verbal about it too. And, um, and I think like that really uh, takes humility and um, really um, putting off, you know, my own selfishness in that, um, yeah, to be thankful to my family um, and yeah, just really abide in God's word. Yep. Amen. Thanks, Miranda. And let's see, let's have uh, maybe one of the married couples here share. Um, all right, Tim and Tracy, I see you guys. So would you guys mind sharing maybe we uh, can share on behalf of both of you um, something that the Lord is teaching you guys and one way that we can be praying for you? Uh, sure. Um, I think just recently, um, the Lord's been teaching us uh, just reliance on, on him and not being anxious, but also learning to be patient, um, but with a loving attitude, um, just having joy in our circumstances. It's been, it's been some, um, ooh, it's been some tough times um, at work and just with family and things like that. Um, and uh, with health, uh, that's, it's, there's been some challenges lately, but the Lord's, um, you know, every day been showing us uh, just from his faithfulness, um, just how much we've been blessed uh, beyond what we can imagine, beyond um, just everything that we don't deserve. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's, that's been a huge thing. And I guess it's a prayer request, um, just uh, we're just going, kind of going through some uh, health uh, things right now, both, uh, both myself minorly and Tracy a little bit more. Um, just something to be uh, praying for. Thanks for sharing, Tim. All right. Um, well, guys, I would love to um, open our time in prayer and pray specifically for uh, the people that shared. So if you all would bow your heads with me, I can go ahead and pray for all of you. Father God, we come before you and we, we thank you, Lord. None of us deserve your mercy and your grace, Lord. We're all sinners. We're um, all people who have at one point rejected you and rejected your word, but you showed us enough favor, Lord, to reveal yourself to us, to show us the depths of our sin, to show us that we were helpless to correct it ourselves, Lord. And you've been gracious to, to give us Christ and salvation from that sin, Lord, and freedom from it, Lord. And Father, we thank you for all the dear saints here, Lord, the ones that uh, got to share, but also the ones that um, didn't have an opportunity to share this week, Lord. And we didn't just ask and pray that you continue to work your uh, work in us, uh, your work of sanctification, Lord, in each of these lives, Lord. And Father, I wanna pray for Tyler. Um, thank you for what you're teaching him about having patience, about putting aside his own uh, desires, Lord, and submission to what you desire and what you will, Lord, knowing that your plan is perfect and your sovereign will is the best, Lord. And Father, we just want to pray for him specifically in this time of midterms, Lord, even though it can be stressful, even though there's a lot to study and a lot to learn in a compressed period of time, Lord, we know that the best place to be is a place that we are trusting in you and remembering you, Lord. So I pray that just the, the immediate urgency of the time wouldn't draw him away from your word and draw him away from his devotion to you. Um, Father, I want to pray for Miranda as well. I thank you, Lord, for the lessons that you're teaching her to be more thankful. And your word calls us to be thankful in all circumstances, the ones that we immediately see as good and the ones that we see as more challenging as well. All these are aspects of your goodness to us, Lord. And we thank you that you're helping to, to teach her that, Lord. And uh, we know that it can also affect just the way that we relate with one another. So I thank you that you're teaching her um, to see the people that you placed into her life uh, and through a lens of thankfulness, Lord. And I just pray that she'd be able to express this to her family, Lord, that they would be blessed by her and blessed by her words and her encouragement. Father, I just pray for Tim and Tracy as well. 
than what you're teaching them about reliance on Christ. And we know that in the midst of so many different challenges, Lord, um, it can be sometimes tempting to look to ourselves, look to what we can do to alleviate some of these things. But ultimately, Father, you are uh, the one who can bring salvation, Lord. And although that may not necessarily mean removing whatever it is that we're going through, Lord, we know that we can have a deep-seated peace in you, Lord, and you will comfort us and you will strengthen us, Lord. So thank you for all the things that you're teaching them. Um, primarily, they mentioned patience, Lord. That is an amazing thing to learn, Lord, and, and something that none of us have enough of. So help us uh, to have more patience, help them to have more patience, Lord. Um, and I'm glad to hear that you are growing them in this way. And we also just want to pray for some of the health issues that they're experiencing right now. Would you uh, bring your healing upon them, Lord, um, so that they can continue to live their lives in, uh, in ways that will uh, live for you to the utmost, Lord. But we also know that uh, in the meantime, Lord, while um, you do have them going through the different ailments and illnesses that they are going through, Lord, that uh, their trust and their hope needs to be on you alone. So I, I know that that in itself can be a, such a huge blessing. So I pray that you would remind them of that and keep them close to you, even as they're continuing to work through the, these health issues, Lord. So thank you again for the time that we have to pray for one another. And we pray for this time, maybe a time of um, sweet fellowship and a time of um, edification through your word. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So um, I believe you've already hit the, the recording button, JC. So I think we're good there. So um, Mark, I'm going to hand it off to you and you can uh, take us up to the end of the hour. All right, sir. Thank you so much. Um, bear with me as I switch over to my PowerPoint. Let's see, and uh, okay. All right, here we are, massive 3D. But uh, I just wanna start by just um, thanking you all for being here and just letting you know what an encouragement and a blessing this is for me personally. Um, you know, the mission, the focus of, of Cornerstone specifically is, as we see here, building lives and families on Christ and his word. And uh, for a, a few years, um, you know, maybe even four or five years, it's been a prayer of mine that we would have a Sunday afternoon fellowship and moving from place to place. That's something that we really had to wait on the Lord for. Um, but, you know, I'd shared that episodically with the elders and different people. And so um, your participation and being here on a Sunday afternoon at four o'clock when you could be doing a lot of other things. I just want to tell you one, it's, it's just a blessing for me in my life. It's an encouragement and it's helped me personally to grow. And so, um, you know, we pray for you and uh, we're just so thankful to hear the individual requests. And I personally am so blessed uh, by your participation in the time here. And that's one of the ways in which the Lord is using you to grow me. Well, our focus today that I want to focus on is how do we grow in the local church and what role does the local church have in growing us in Christ? And uh, if you have your Bibles, let's go to John chapter 15, please. Okay. And uh, before we get to John 15, I want to show you a picture of my boys when we first, um, you know, a while ago. Okay. And uh, they're barely recognizable to me. Okay. And uh, because we fed them those awesome smoothies. Okay. And, you know, this is obviously at a later date at one of our retreats. And uh, obviously the size of our family has grown, not that they're our children, but I like to think of them as our children. And I like to think of you as our family and they've grown in size too. You know, as, as we've got Catherine and Jamie and Megan temporarily as part of our family. But, you know, there's a point I wanna make here and, and we started last time. The church is the household of God, it's his family. And Christ is our older sibling, and the Lord is a good father, and the spirit is present there. And we made the point last time that being part or being a member of the local church is really about being a disciple and a child of God. If you're not 
adopted or born into the family, you're not part of the family, you may be a guest. But what we aspire to is to really be part of a family. That's you know how scripture frames it. It is the pillar and buttress of the truth, but ultimately it's the Lord's family. That's what he's brought us into. And it's a family that's anchored in Christ and his love for sure. Uh, but where that goes after we talk about being part of his family, are you truly saved? Are you part of his family? And the last time we gathered, we went through those different criteria, sort of false criteria of being part of the family of God, big Bible knowledge, serving a lot, you know, all those different things, as opposed to evidence that you're really part of the family. And the biggest evidence, okay, is that you look like your father, okay? And in fact, I would even argue that children who are adopted into families over a period of time, even though biologically they might not obviously look, I think, and I, I think I can make a decent case for this, that even children who are adopted after a period of time will take on some of the facial expressions and mannerisms and ways. And when you spend time with them, there is a connection that people can make with their adopted parents and their adopted families. And so where I'm going with this is, you know, God didn't just bring us into his household to be babies forever. The expectation and the purpose of him bringing us into our families is that we will grow. And the direction of that growth ultimately is that we would be like him, that we would increasingly look like him and be more visibly and people make that connection. When Ethan was first born, everybody said he looked like me, but that was initially because he had no hair. Okay. As time has gone on and he's gotten a better head of hair and he's grown up, um, you know, he, he, he looks like his more attractive mother. Okay. As time has gone on and you start to see those changes as kids grow. But there's also times where I'll mess around with my boys, okay? And you can see over here one of my boys messing around. I'll mess around with them a little bit. And if they decide to horse around and regress and act like two-year-olds, I'll say, hey, man, do you want me to get the diapers out and put the diapers on? And, you know, the last thing they want to do is to be treated like a baby, okay? So their father will yank their cord just a little bit, okay? I try not to provoke them, okay? But, you know, and, and there's times where I'll, I'll tease them a little bit and say, hey, why don't we get the double stroller out and put you guys in the double stroller and wheel it into church? Uh, you know, the thought of the two guys who are, who are now, you know, 10 and 9 being in a, in a stroller, in a double stroller in church would be their shame, right? Because they don't want to be like little kids. But in our father's house, and, and I, I raise this, okay, there can be a tendency a little bit at times and at different phases where we come into church and it's a Sunday experience. We check in, we check out, we check in, we check out and we're like fans and we're not progressing in the faith because it's just the place we go to on Sundays. And I want to point out that that's incredibly unhealthy and contrary to the Lord's desire. If we had children in our family and they did not grow and they were 11, 12, or 13, but they were still wearing diapers or they were still the size of a five-year-old or six-year-old, people would come and say, you're being negligent. And so really the expectation of the leadership of the church is that you would grow because that's God's desire for you, not that you would stay the same. And when you're staying the same, it's a sign that things are not good, that you're not getting the nourishment you're needing or something is going on that's stunting your growth. That's a concern. That's not a good thing. And it's not a loving thing that you stay in that place or in that way. The other thing to consider too, as we grow, and as all of you know, because you've all you know, physiologically grown up, there are different stages where growth is harder than others. Junior high for, you know, People sometimes that age from grade six to grade eight can be a very, very difficult period in time. Going through puberty can be a very difficult time. College for some can be a difficult season. There are seasons that are easier than others, and there are seasons that are more challenging than others, but that is all part of the process of growing up. And if we avoided all those hard and difficult times and seasons, and, and Tyler, you sort of alluded to that a little bit, you know, if, if we avoid those things, 
and as a parent, if we overprotect our kids and they never suffer and we tell everybody, don't insult them, don't say anything bad about them, no, 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 don't correct them. You know, in the end, we're doing our child a disservice at a later date where they end up being an 18, 19 or 20 year old who is spoiled or indulgent or self-absorbed as opposed to someone who said, okay, maybe I failed, maybe I've struggled, maybe I've made mistakes and haven't done well. But as Dr. MacArthur likes to say, the measure of a man is not his failure, but how he responds to failure. Do we turn to the Lord and do we grow from those failures or do we just sort of cower and withdraw and go to a room and never grow from those things? God is a good father and his household is a good house. And his design for his house is to put everything at our disposal to grow us into the image of his son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that's very much what discipleship and membership is about. So with that, let's have a look at John 15. And Tyler, since I have you on my screen, it's, it's sort of Russian roulette here a little bit. I'm going to ask you if you would read. Uh, let's see, verses 1 through 9, John 15, 1 through 9, okay. Um, Tim Liu, you're on my screen. If you would be so kind when Tyler's finished to read verses 10 through 17 for us. Okay, John 15, verse 1. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does not, that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. Mm -hmm. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is my commandments, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You do not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruits would abide so that whatever you ask of my father in my name, he may give to you. This I command you that you love one another. Hey, thank you guys. Okay, you know, it's John 15, obviously it's one of my favorites. It's, it's dear to my heart. One of the sweet things that you see here is that Jesus' desire is that there would be joy in your life and that joy would come from above, not from the things of this world. And that joy in your life is very much tied to your growth, okay? When you're not growing, you're not gonna have joy. And so the question is, you know, and that we're talking about today that we, we really want to address is, okay, we know we're supposed to grow. We're, we know as children of the Lord, as our Father, we're to grow. How do we do it? And Jesus really rules that out for the disciples the night before his death. And it's interesting because they're going to be given this overwhelming responsibility. Jesus is going to be gone and they've got to run the church. It's up to them. And, you know, these guys you know, a big chunk of them, they're blue collar fishermen, you know, how are they going to do this, you know, and, and they failed many times, and they're going to fail. Jesus does this knowing that they're going to fail the night before he's going to be crucified, they're going to drop the ball, they're going to show that on their own, they can't do it. 
And, you know, obviously, you know me, if it was me doing these sermons, we'd be here for 200 years to go through this, okay? Going at half a verse a time. But we'll highlight a couple of big things, okay? The bottom line is, you know, first point, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. It's about Jesus, not us. I think one of the focuses when people want to grow is what do I need to do? Pastor Mark, just tell me what I need to do. Tell me which passages of the Bible. Can I come over and hang out at your place, which is fine. Can I watch what you do? What do you, how do you want me to serve? Where do you want me to be? And the truth is, is that even as little children grow, we look at our kids and we say, how do they grow? And they amaze us, right? And of course, we take these classes on nutrients and what we do and what we give them. But the truth is, you know, at the end of the day, what credit do the parents take for their children growing? I mean, we facilitate, but at the end of the day, it's a miracle, their growth. And we look at our lives as growing as children of God. It comes down to Christ and his work in us. That's first and foremost. And I want to highlight to you, Jesus is not a vine. He is the true vine. And the point that he's making here is, look, there's no other way apart from being connected to Christ, apart from abiding in him, apart from his life being in you. If that's not there, you're dead in the water, no matter what you're going to do. Okay. And so when someone's not growing in the local church and it's been three to five years and they seem stuck and we're lovingly concerned, you know, we can talk about all the things they're not doing right. But the heart of the issue that we want to come and say is, look, how's your walk with Christ? And really one of the big, big tests of, of growing in Christ is knowing Christ. Do we know him better now than we did before. I would say, I hope anyways, my wife knows me better now than she did when we first got married 10 years ago. My boys know me better now than they did when they were born or five years ago or two or three years ago. Okay. The idea, and, and it's very simple. We need to spend time with Jesus, but we also need to spend time with him as the vine as the only one who can give us life and who's going to grow us. And without him, it's not going to happen. And with that idea of I'm the true vine, you're the branches, is it's life or death. You take part of the vine and you remove it from the branches, those branches are going to die. It's that way, plain and simple. And so, you know, one of the things we have to consider, we have to stop. We can be very busy in church ministry and miss this point. I have, okay? At the end of the day, if all of those things are taking us away from being connected to Jesus as our Lord and Savior, what's going to come out is not going to be sweet fruit. It's going to be bitter, okay? Uh, second point I want to make is, Look, he makes it very clear that the father prunes fruitful branches, verse two, right? It's something that we feel a little uncomfortable about, but we addressed that earlier today, okay? In the life of Eve, and we'll deal with it in the life of Adam. You know, a good father disciplines his children, but he does it not to inflict pain primarily, though pain is part of the process. He does it to grow them. And Jesus makes it clear that you know, who is it who the father prunes? And that's the idea of coming and taking a knife and cutting off dead branches or dead things that are getting in the way from your growth. That idea of cultivating is coming in. And if there's a branch or an area that's not growing, you cut it off so that that tree can grow in a healthy way. And that dead branch doesn't take the sap. He says he comes for the fruitful branches. So it's not like you do well and you grow and you get a pass and say, okay, I'm done. In fact, it's quite the opposite. If you're growing and you're having a fruitful life, you can expect that the Lord is going to come in and pay attention to you and say, hey, maybe there's a few things because you're doing well that I need to come in and I need to clip so that you grow. And we see that in the lives of the disciples. Okay, but there's another half too, where he talks in verse two and six that also, and this should instill fear in us, that the father comes and he removes and burns unfruitful branches. We get very, very discouraged. And I understand when there's church discipline or people are removed from the church. 
And can it be abused? Absolutely. Do we have to go exactly as the Lord says with prayer and fear and traveling? Absolutely. Okay. I remember um, when we had a, a, a church discipline case, one of the first church discipline cases, and one of the brothers came to me and said, you know, we went through this a few years ago. Why are we going through this again? And I, I understand it was a painful process. And in that person's mind, because it was a second church discipline, the view was, you know, are we failing as a church? You know, and, and once again, I want to highlight the gospel. We're sinners. Christ is sanctifying us and he's changing us. We're growing. Okay. It doesn't mean that we're perfect suddenly. And part of one of the ways that the Lord comes in and uses the local church is if there's a branch that is not growing or that is dead, the father is going to come in one way or the other, and he's going to remove that branch at some point in time. And it should also give us a little bit of fear in a, in a good way to say, okay, look, I can't take this for granted and just cruise control either. Okay. The Lord is invested and there's a reckoning that happens with the Lord. And part of that too is the Lord's table, which we did today. When we gather around the Lord's table, we're doing so as members in good standing, celebrating our connection with Christ. And if there's a conflict or there's a relational breakdown that's not resolved or there's sin or unrepentant sin in our lives, we're not supposed to come to the table. We're supposed to make that right with the Lord first. Okay. Uh, what I'll do with my boys sometimes, okay, is if there's a conflict or a disagreement, I'll let them know that before they eat, Okay, you need to make that right with the Lord and talk to him and ask him for forgiveness. And you need to ask your mom or your brother for forgiveness. Now, look, I know Jesus has got to save them. I know that's an instruction. I know that they can come and say, oh, you know, mom, forgive me. However, forgive me. What I'm trying to do is I'm trying to model and show them that sin breaks fellowship. And fellowship, and it breaks the unity. But God has provided a way for us to be reconnected with the vine. We don't have to stay that way. The Lord is not asking you to be perfect. He knows you're not. And he knows you're not going to be perfect till Jesus comes. The beauty of the gospel is he's given us a way to address our sin and to be restored. How is that? It's being connected to Christ. It's receiving his forgiveness and giving his forgiveness. Okay. Um, you know, Jesus goes through this passage and he shows us what it means to be connected to him. And one of the points I want to make, and it's highlighted in verses eight through 10, is that abiding in Christ is never separate from obeying his commandments. That's what Jesus makes, you know, if my word abides in you, and then he talks about if my love abides, abides in you, he, he says, you know, you're going to be obedient to my commandments, okay? And I think what we can say at a bare minimum is, if we are not obeying Christ's commandments, if there's a pattern in our lives, or there's a specific one that we are not consistently obeying and we're stuck on that, we need to stop and say, am I abiding in Christ? Am I growing? And the likelihood is, Okay, if there's an area in my life that I'm not being obedient to Christ, maybe it's in my stewardship, maybe it's in the leading of my wife, maybe it's in, in all of those different areas, okay? I'm not abiding in him, I'm actually abiding in my sin. That's really what I'm doing in that situation. And what that is going to do is it's going to bring thorns, it's not going to bring fruit. And the fruit that Jesus is talking about here is his life. As we grow in him, we're going to see more of his life, okay? And he also, listen, growing in Christ isn't just about being a brainiac of Bible knowledge. But if you don't know his word, you're not going to know how to obey his commandments. It's that plain and simple. If you're not cracking your Bible open, if you're not spending, spending time in prayer, if you're not being instructed, those don't mean you're growing. But certainly, 
you're not going to be able to obey his commands if you don't know what he said. And that is one of the reasons we put such a premium on the ministry of the word and prayer and exhort you. If you want to grow in Christ, it's not going to happen if you're never praying and never spending time with Jesus in the word. It's more than that, but it's certainly not less than that. Do you want to grow? Make that a priority. And the same way with our children, where we make sure that they have three decent meals a day and we make sure that they brush their teeth, okay? As a parent for you, church leaders, your burden is when you're interacting with brothers and sisters and you're finding out for whatever reason, tough time in the job, you know, health issues, family issues, whatever. We all struggle with those things and we understand, but if a brother's having a hard time spending time in the word or praying or being together with believers, we've got to be concerned for them. If we love them, we're going to take the blows and come alongside and say, hey, brother, we're concerned. How can we help? How can we pray for you? Because the other aspect that Jesus brings up centrally in those commands, Jesus' commands really are about how do we love the Lord and how do we love one another? How do we measure our growth, okay? Leaders can, 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 can measure it objectively. There's a way. When we take our kids to see the doctor, we measure them. And they measure their weight and they measure their height. And they put them on a graph and they see how they're growing. And they objectively say, okay, they're doing okay. Or they say, you know what? He stopped growing. We have a concern. All right? In the same way, guess what? It's not subjective. Christ has given us objective criteria to know whether someone is maturing. And that's Ephesians 4 through 6. It's the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, self-control, gentleness, okay? Humility, graciousness, unity, okay? Men growing in their leadership in their marriages. Women growing as helpers. There's, there's an abundance of criteria that is tied to the Lord's commands that demonstrate and that's one of the ways that Christ has shown us, look, you can look in your own life and say, am I growing or am I not? I think that's a helpful thing for those in our small groups is for us to go to a brother and say, hey, how are you doing? We need to do that. If you love your brother, you're going to say, how are you doing? Do you feel you're turning the corner here or not? Okay, it's not just it, because we're part of the family. It's what we do. We are actively responsible, brothers and sisters, for one another's growth, okay? And this brings us to our final slide for the day. Where does the local church fit in, okay? Jesus did not ask us to grow in a vacuum. Where is Jesus present? Well, in Matthew, 20, in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, okay, in the Great Commission, Jesus makes it clear where he is present. He is present with those who are obedient to him. He is present in his local church, okay? He is present where there are two or three who are gathered in his name, okay? It's the local church and it's membership in a local church. If we're never at the local church, if we're never gathering together with believers, and that's become increasingly hard, and that's one of the reasons why Cornerstone is such an encouragement to me, in that it gives us an opportunity, yet another opportunity to get together and pray for one another. Um, you know, if I shut Ethan and Josh up into a room, if they never go out and interact with anyone, yeah, they may grow physically, but there's going to be significant areas where they're going to be stunted. In fact, one of the huge blessings I have to share with you is our church. The fact that our church has continued to meet when their schools have shut down has been a gift to us. And it's a double gift to us because the people they get to spend time with is you all. And that is far more important to me, quite frankly, than, you know, school, all of the other things that are there. Okay. Uh, 1 Corinthians 2, 2, for I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul makes it clear what he, see, what he was determined to know was nothing except Jesus among you, okay? The implication is it's in the context of the local church and among believers, okay? So I wanna challenge you with this. Is your priority in coming to Lighthouse Bible Church knowing Christ? It's very easy for us and for me to come because I want to hang out with you all. 
because I need to be encouraged, because I'm the pastor and I have a job to do. But fine, that's not a problem. But if I'm not coming, even as your pastor, to know Jesus among you, it's all a joke and I'm going to die. I think the number of pastors who struggle with depression are like 50% on polls that are done. The number who have used antidepressants are like 30 to 40%. Okay, it's incredibly high. All right, but the bottom line is whether you're an elder, a deacon, or a member, is your reason for coming to church, is your top priority to know nothing but Jesus? And are you growing in a relationship with him? Okay. Matthew 18, 20 tags on to that. And we're going to deal with that the next time we meet for the membership with church discipline. The context is church discipline. It's correction. Brothers are correcting brothers. If there's a concern, they're facing one another. And we'll deal with that more when we, we meet uh, next month. But for, for the Cornerstone uh, membership track. But what it says, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. In my name means gathering to represent Christ, to embody all that he stands for and to do his will. When we gather together is the burden of our heart. I'm here to obey Christ and to do as he asked me to do. I'm here to love this brother and sister, even if they are unlovable. That is part of growing. And part of growing is getting hurt. In the local church, there are going to be brothers and sisters who sin. That's part of a family. Did you ever fight with your siblings? Did you ever disagree with your parents? Never. Perfection. Okay. Well, guess what? When we gather together, we rub one another the wrong way because we're sinners. But Christ has given us a way to be forgiven and reconciled and grow. And when you've asked a brother or sister, please forgive me, and they've forgiven you, and there's genuine repentance, you know what? Afterwards, the blood of Christ draws us near, and we're even closer than we were before. And that's an amazing thing to see, and that's one of the ways that we grow. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, you know it well. Make disciples, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Okay? You're not going to grow if there are not godly leaders in your life teaching you to observe all that Christ has commanded you. That's it, plain and simple, right? It doesn't happen in a vacuum with you and your Bible in your room. Jesus is the one who gave this command, and he said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. He gives it to the disciples. He commands them to go and make disciples by teaching them not just the commandments, but teaching them to observe or guard or keep or treasure all that I have commanded you. And the implication here is that part of the church process is that there are going to be godly men filled with the spirit who know God's word and are Christ-like, who come alongside you in those areas where you're weak or you're struggling, and gently and graciously, like Christ, teach you to observe all that the Lord has commanded you. So look, I'm not here to say, I'm the greatest preacher, this, that, and the other thing, okay? But when I look out and I see certain individuals in our church falling asleep consistently every Sunday, I'm worried. I'm burdened. I'm praying for those. I go to the discipleship group leaders and I say, look, I'm concerned. Are they okay? What's going on? How are they doing? And it's not personal. Yeah, you know, Pastor Mark, we're bored. We, you know, we don't, we don't connect. That, that's fine not a problem. The bigger concern I have for you is when you come, are you determined to know nothing among us except Christ and him crucified? And is there a hunger and a desire and a thirst and an appetite? If we were all to go to the Super Bowl, how many of us would fall asleep? We wouldn't because it's a privilege to be there and the tickets are hard to get and it's the main event of the year. But we come and say even more so, where Christ is present, for those who love him, there should be an excitement and a thrill and, and a focus and, and a drama and, a, and being compelled that we're going to be there and we're going to wait through the boring parts because you know what? We don't want to miss the best part. 
Okay. Years ago, I remember by God's grace and favor, I was at a presidential inaugural party. Okay. I stood in line forever. I hung out in this place and stood around forever in an uncomfortable suit with all sorts of people I didn't know. Why did I do that? Did I fall asleep? Did I? For two minutes, the president who was the new president showed up, waved his hand, and then cut out afterwards with his wife, the whole thing, okay? But everybody was there for that two minutes, not for all the other things, because for two minutes, the president of the United States showed up. You know, when we come to church and we gather together, it's not about the people in the room. It's about the presence of Christ in them. And Jesus tells us, even as we have cared or taken care of the least among us with a cup of cold water, so we've done it to him. And that compels us. And finally, I want to come to Ephesians 4 and 6 and Romans 12. Look, the number one thing is about being connected with Christ. You need to grow through the ministry of the word and prayer. It's the reason why we've reorganized our church. So everything revolves around the ministry of the word and prayer. Not so that we can have big heads, but we're trying to give you opportunity to know Jesus. Every time we gather, our purpose in proclaiming the word is so that you would know him better. Okay? That's the priority. But part of loving your brothers and sisters is serving sacrificially in the local church. Serving sacrificially. Some of that happens formally, but some of them that happens informally as well. It's both there. As we reopen the church, my hope is that there's going to be more opportunities for you to serve. But one of the things that you should do is talk to your discipleship group leaders and say, how can I be serving in the local church? How has the Lord gifted me? And how am I going to use those gifts? What Paul makes clear in Romans 12 is, you know, if you never use the gifts that the Lord gives you, you're not going to grow. And we see that in sports, we see that in music, we see all the tragedies that happen where gifted people never use their gifts and they never grow and they never develop. And we see on the other hand, the guys who take those gifts that God has given them and they cultivate them and they use them and they invest those things and they grow and grow and grow and grow. Part of growing brothers and sisters requires you to serve in the local church like Jesus does out of a heart of love and sacrificially. And I wanna close with this, uh, Kevin, Al took us through 1 Timothy 4, 1 Timothy 4 at the end of the chapter. And at the end of that, Paul tells Timothy that he's to progress, he's to grow. And he makes the point that tied to his growth is the benefit and blessing to the rest of the church, that Timothy's salvation is at stake and the salvation of others is at stake. He's not saying that we save one another. What he is saying is as we grow and people visibly see our growth and they see the angry person becoming patient, okay? And it doesn't mean perfection. And they see the sorrowful person or the grumbling person become joyful. And they see the taker become a giver, okay? And they see the selfish person becoming sacrificial. When they see those things happen, that is an encouragement to those around us. That is one of the ways we love others around us. One of the things that blows me away is, you know, I was sharing with someone today. Someone came up to me and said, you know, this person has really been an encouragement to me. Why? Because they've been faithful and they persevered even when things have been difficult for them. Financially, where they're at, all of those things, and yet they persevered, and it's been a huge encouragement to me. And when I shared that with the people, they had no idea that that was the case. That is the work of the Holy Spirit working in us as we're faithful and as we are growing, and as people see more of Christ in us, that is an encouragement that blesses and points other people away from the world and away from sin and towards the love and truth and grace of the Lord that inspires them to say, hey, I want to be like that person. I want to have what they have. I want to spend time with that person. Why? Because that's where our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is. Okay. Now, with that, I just want to close and just say my prayer for you. And my prayer, and I've shared this with this elders. My prayer is that people would come to Lighthouse Bible Church San Jose for Jesus. And they would stay for Jesus and that we would 
grow in Jesus, that that would be the heart and the beat and the pulse of our church. And I just want to exhort you, please pray for that as well, but also be eager and pursue that and speak to your discipleship group leaders and ask them, hey, how can you help me grow into the image of Christ? Okay, with that, I'll toss it back to uh, Kevin. And uh, thank you. Great. Thank you, Mark, uh, for taking us through that and for all the great reminders of who we are in Christ and, you know, what we receive in Christ in the local church. Um, so that is the, the end of our formal time for today. Um, I'll close us in prayer in a moment, but um, before we break, I do just want to um, let those of you know who are actually going through the membership process, who are actively either submitted an application or are going through that process of going through the membership, uh, if we can ask you guys to stay for uh, 10 to 15 minutes afterwards, we just want to check in on where you guys are at with that and get a chance to uh, hear from you and pray with you. And uh, I'll also extend that to the uh, membership team as well. So if you're part of that team, just stick around uh, for the next 10 to 15 minutes or so. Um, but for the rest of us, I'll go ahead and just close our time and then we'll let you go. Let's pray. Father God, we, it is truly a privilege, one that we don't deserve to be a part of your house, Lord, and to call you father, to call one another brother and sister, Lord. These are not things that are cheap, but things that are so valuable. So we thank you, Father God, for that privilege. And we just pray that uh, we, we consider uh, where we are at, how we're walking with you, Lord. If we're here just to, um, just to fulfill some social obligations or uh, as part of a, a routine, Lord, I just pray that you would really put in our hearts, Lord, to consider where we are uh, with you, Lord. And um, I just pray that we would be able to encourage one another, that we would be able to spur one another on towards love and good deeds, Lord, so that ultimately at the end of the day, your name would be glorified and that you would receive the glory for that. So we thank you again for every opportunity that we have to be together. Um, hopefully more uh, in person uh, as time goes on, but even the chances that we get virtually, Lord, we are thankful for. So thank you, Father, for all the people that uh, set aside an hour of their Sunday afternoons, Lord, to be with uh, your people and to be in your word. And we just uh, pray that you bless the rest of this day. In Jesus' name, amen.